1: flushcarecom slash loss.
2: This is it. The
3: time has come. Saturday night's
4: all right for fighting. And one count.
3: Oh. Him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with
5: Gareth A. Davies.
0: You're better
5: than that. On Talk Sport.
1: You're listening to the Fight Night podcast on TalkSport with me, Gareth Davis, in the studio with me this week. The one and only, the omen, Spencer Oliver. And what a rollicking show we've got for you coming up this week. First up, Tasha Jonas, the winner of the British Boxing Board of Control Fighter of the Year Awards for last year, joined us on the show.
3: Such a strong start for Jonas, and she finishes it by knockout here.
4: this decision. And now the WBC, the WBO, the IBF
6: and Ring Magazine super welterweight
4: champion
6: of the world. Natasha
2: well, to set an example, I think that some of the the guys need to follow. Um but yeah, it's it's it, it's a tough it's tough because there's a whole business behind boxing which people, not everybody gets to see. Um, and, and sometimes fights can't be made for a various different amount of reasons. But I think because, you know, I don't know whether the women's is a little bit cheaper to put on or, you know, there's less politics w- within it that it's just, they just seem to be easier to make.
1: Do you, do you think, and this is a question that bestrides um, the six inches between my ears very often do you think if we're women, if the women at the very top of the sport, yourself, Katie Taylor, Clarissa Shields, Michaela Meyer, Alicia Baumgardner, Chantelle Cameron, if you think that if there were millions on the line, maybe even tens of millions every time, and there were Saudi money involved, do you think it would be the same thing in the women's sport?
2: I would like to think so I'd like to think that you've got to remember I, I mean a lot of us come from an amateur background where we weren't paid at all um, We you're, you're a funded athlete but you know you come from through that England setup it's at a lot of cost to yourself it cost me two jobs um, and I know it cost a couple of the others in, in the same setup the same so you know the money now as a pro is like the extra bit of bonus.
1: So Without delving into your bank balance, as our mortgage lenders like to do, <laughs> if you, if you were to have, say, two more fights, can you retire like 2% of boxers can in the male sports and never have to work again?
2: I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be struggling. I'd be comfortable. But I don't know if it's like literally retire and never do any any piece of work again. You're definitely going to have to work somewhere along the line. Mm. But you could have a couple of years off.
3: Yeah, I mean, you've had an incredible turnaround, Tash. You really have, and then we go again on these Liam Smith Chris Eubank Junior undercard, Manchester, June the seventeenth. Who's it against? You know, um, you know, um, um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your opponent.
2: I actually, we haven't got an opponent yet. Um, I know that there's names being flown about and we've asked one or two um, and and they haven't come off. So we're still looking, but I am assured that I am 100% definitely on it.
1: Is there a chance, is there a chance that if Katie Taylor beats Chantel Cameron and wins the £140 belt that you, if say Amanda Serrano was injured or... You know, there was a, an opportunity you may be able to fight Katie Taylor at Croke Park in September?
2: Well, listen, I, I've been I've been like promised by Boxer that I'm gonna have a defense um and then I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a big fight. They'll they'll financially support a big fight. And I think mine and Katie's fight in, in lockdown deserved a crowd mm. for, for for what it was. And whether that's Katie or who I believe Chantal Owen. Um, I would love to have you know a big opportunity at a different weight. I, I, I never planned on staying at one five four. It was just that all the opportunities came about at, there at that time when all the other fights were taken. So, um, to go back down has always been my plan. Is it um,
1: time? But is it time for? I say this, Ben Shalom's a friend of the show. Is it time for boxer for Sky? for any of them out there, frankly, to go, do you know what, Natasha Jonas is a big enough star. You know, you've done the Echo Arena in Liverpool. We know you're a big star in Liverpool. Is it time to do a Manchester Arena or an 0-2 Arena or even a little football stadium? You're a Liverpool fan, aren't you?
2: I would love to do Anfield. Why can't uh, we? I, why can't we I, do I, that,
1: Gareth? I think they can do that, but
3: you, you know, you need another dance partner that's a big name like Katie Taylor. And I think that now Natasha Jonas, you know, she's achieved what she's achieved. Clarissa Shields. Then
1: um, yeah. Clarissa Shields.
3: Why then? not? Why not? Would you I'm, fight
1: why... Clarissa Shields at middleweight?
2: Listen, the the only reason that stopped it the first time w- was money, and I'm I'm so, like it's a learning a learning lesson for myself. I was fortunate last year that like like I said, I had a lot of luck. You know, the belt became big and a four-foot, it won. Then I was trying to fight Hannah Rankin, which didn't come off, but then Bergog became free. After Bergog was free, then it also opened up that the care was. So I, w- I was very fortunate and I had a lot of luck along the way last year. And I would love to continue fighting, fighting for belts. And it came about in December that it was, it was, you know, Ben was like, would you fight Calista? I was like, of course I would. So then that was into December. I, I like I said, let me go on holiday and and, and let, we'll talk about when I get back. Got back in the January, it was like on it. And like we was back and forth about networks, what, where it was gonna be, what how it was gonna be. And literally the only thing that was stopping it was money. So then because by this time it's now March, nearly going into April, it and it just the the, the just the deal just like he wasn't. They wasn't prepared to up the up the thing, so it was was not going to be done. But then everybody else that I even thought about fighting before had all now been took. So it's a case of like I've got to wait again anyway, mm. and and just you know and wait for the big fights. But like I say, I have been I've been you know assured that that the next the next big fights uh, the next fights after this one will will be huge. So you know fingers crossed, like everyone's uh, true to their word and. Um. Yeah. I, I, like I say, I'd love to just keep fighting for titles. That you know, last last year was unreal. Mm. Um. And and I think I need that little bit of fear factor. A little bit of you know danger to bring out the best in me and I think mm. that shone in all and all and all the fights last year
3: sure I mean you, you, you just need that momentum now and keep it going you've got June the 17th I mean Tash give us the wish, wish list for your next three fights I mean I know now that you're at that stage of your career where you only want the big fights you want the big names I mean give us a wish list of the three big fights that you'd like after this
2: so yeah after this I would love to Anyone, literally anyone who That's got what a I love about you girls, one, that y- you, five, you will fight anyone. 135 and 154, anyone, mm. literally anyone. Mm.
3: Yeah, I mean, Katie Taylor obviously has got to be up there. Clarissa Shields. You want the big names, don't you, in, in this sport? And, and and listen, you you give any of them a fight.
2: Yeah, listen, we we, we train to, to who is in front of us. You know, people are like, ah, oh, you know the care is too big, she's too strong, we, we won't convince. Only we nearly won every round on some of the judges' cards, you know, uh, you know, Bagels hasn't been beat, yeah, okay, but we won every round on, on two of the judges' scorecards on one round, so it, it's not even, it wasn't even close, they, they were just, you know, they were very convincing and we, we train for 10 hours rounds and we go so in-depth, well, I, I say me, you know, Joe is the mastermind behind it all, I just have to execute the plan and, um. Whoever it is, we'll be prepared for. Like with Teddy Harper, like with Katie Taylor before that. Mm.
1: Mm. Before we let you go, Natasha, um, what did it mean to you to win the British Boxing Border Control uh, Fighter of the Year Award?
2: Before I won it, um, I was reading like the, the little programme thing that you get and I was looking and seeing, you know, Barry McGuigan, and Lennox Lewis and, you know, Crawler yeah ricky sure. hatton. Was like, there's just loads mm. um and i was thinking wow like, like i was thinking, wow these are all my heroes you know you're ricky hatton you lewis they're they who i, I you know that's who i grew up with loving or hating um but like and, and to, when when they said my name i was still like reading it and mm. they were like you you one i was like i was just i was so overwhelmed and I, like and everyone just thinks oh yeah you know it was, it was about 2022, but that wasn't. That was like 17, 18 years in the making of ups and downs and sacrifices and good times and bad times and nearly retiring and coming back and everything. And, you know, to, to have them them, them moments and, and making that piece of history, they're parts that no one can take away from you. So it, was, it just topped off of like absolutely perfect year in boxing. If you'd
1: been the same weight division as Tony Bellew, would you have beaten him up?
2: <laughs> oh gosh gosh i don't even want an answer i, I know an you answer.
1: don't that's what i'm asking because i know he you're he such does, great he knows friends
2: women are life, he knows what women are like. he knows you're <laughs> in, in, in the relationships i remember
1: walking into the amateur gym and him being there one day and you i think i don't know who you were training with that day but uh tash we really hope you get the best fights over the next year two years and, and I'd, I'd love to see you back in. In with Katie Taylor again, mm, frankly, because definitely. that that fight on the on the undercard, even though we all called it the main event in the end of Joseph Parker and dillian White was just was it was it I was, oh, it was it, insane. Was no, it, it was Chisora a White as well? Was it Chizora White? I'm not sure was that, that no,
2: no. it
1: was that. I... It, it was Chisora Parker. Yeah. It, it honestly, ten rounds of bliss. We need to see it again. I think we do, and I'm sure you want to do it again.
2: 100% uh, She's 2-0 two, two on me now I think 2-3-0 two, two, mm-hmm. I need to get one back
1: well, Tasha Jonas' fight, we don't know who her opponent is, of course, yet, but her fight is live on Talk Sport on the undercard of Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith in Manchester on June 17th. We have got a host of live fights coming up for you on Talk Sport, by the way. The second of those, because we've got Joshua Watsi versus Pavel Stephen in Birmingham this weekend, coming up is KSI versus Joe Fournier. I joined a ripped looking KSI JJ at the Shoot Fighters Gym in Park Royal just a couple of days ago. Yeah, I've always
0: been able to switch to Southport. Where does that come from? Well, I mean, even well, when I knocked out Dumper, I, I, I went Southport. What, you did? <laughs> No, no, I was there. I was well, there. I mean, people, yeah. I mean, look, my footwork is, is very good, like, and they've done a good job to make sure it's been very good. My balance has improved a lot. And yeah, even with my shot selection, I've made sure to just be on point with everything, so... Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a hard worker, man. I'm a hard worker. I make sure I put the time and effort and I really, you know, go all the way with uh, every time I get in the ring. Your coaches, Alex and Marios
1: Dimitriadis, both tell me that you have all the instincts and desire of all the other fighters they work with. Where does that come from, that kind of animal instinct in you? Well,
0: like, honestly, like, you wouldn't think I'd be in the ring 10 years ago <laughs> no chance, bro. I was mm. in my bedroom playing games, playing FIFA, like, golazo and all of that. Yeah, so, like, to be in the ring punching people and knocking people out, yeah, it's definitely wasn't the plan, but <laughs> you know, life has a funny way of uh, putting you in crazy situations.
1: Louis Theroux was telling me, he said when he watches you, there's something terrifying about your... <laughs> your kind of desire
0: and attitude to do these things? I've always had the desire to win, to do better, to always improve, and to always just push myself. I feel like just being on the same low is just boring. And just, you know, I could... There's so many... Like, years ago, I could have just... Relaxed. You're addicted now, aren't you? That's just not me. Your body's addicted.
1: Yeah, my body. Then that feeds your mind. Then the mind feeds your body. Yeah, So
0: I'm just, I'm just ready at all times to always just be at the best I can be. And then even when I'm there, I'm like, there's more. Like, you know, I have to go further beyond. (laughs) Yeah, I have to figure out like how much more I can do with my body and, you know, my mind and my soul and everything. So I, yeah, I just, I love pushing myself, man. And you know, with boxing, it just it keeps pushing me, and I feel like that's just awesome. Before I come on to Joe Fournier, your mm. opponent
1: on May the 13th, it's live on Talk Sports sick. that night. Uh, yeah, it's going to be sick holding yeah. up to it. Um, are you still in the frame to want to fight Tommy Fury? Yes, yes. Jake Paul? Uh,
0: with Jake Paul, bro, I, I, I'm kind of just bored of Jake Paul. I bored just of can't. calling him out? Well, yeah, man, like... do you think he's running well, from why you? Why is he fighting Nate Diaz? Let's be honest. Why is he fighting Nate Diaz? He should... Well, like, after me destroying Joe Fournier, should have been me and, me and him. Stadium. Simple as that. Stadium, stadium. Stadium. UK. Let's go UK, yeah, and it'd be huge. But instead, he's fighting Nate Diaz. Well, it's just boring. He's running back to an MMA fighter who's boxing for the first time at 185 mm. please man snowfest. so i'm there like you know what screw that F- it, Paul. we're just looking at the whole scene and we just thought you know there's something here it's just at the moment the scene is very messy it's a bit all over the place there's no like staple there's no like thing that everyone goes to and goes this is what influencer boxing is or crossover boxing is so we were like, we're going to make that. Mm. And then, are you yeah. the team captain? Are you the
1: leader in all of this? Are, are, I mean, are you putting yourself out there more than anyone else.
0: I'm part of the journey. I, I don't want to say I'm the leader. I'm the this or that. I'm just. You're not part
1: wearing the armband, then? Are you not wearing the captain's armband for it? I mean, bringing I, all these other influences through. And I mean, no. I'm the, I mean,
0: I think we're just doing that generally. Mm. We're just doing that anyway. You know, because I'm also competing. I'm also fighting and. Yeah, I'm going to build these guys up, but I'm also, you know, hungry to win as well. You know, I also want to win, you know, make big fights and make big things happen. So, for me, it's just about just creating the biggest events, the biggest moments and just entertaining the people and also just, you know, improving my legacy while doing. It.
1: He was in sick form, baby. Oh, the youngsters are killing me over that one. Well, next up, Spencer and I discussed, and it's on So I remind you, on June the 17th, live and direct from Manchester, Liam
4: Smith versus Chris Eubank. The rematch, repeat or revenge? I'm not surprised he tried to make the Conor Benn fight. That, there's no secret he going to go the Conor Benn route. Um, but I'm also not surprised. He really had to fight me again to save face for his own career going forward. If he plans on going forward, one thing I can give him—that's one thing—he's not—he's not sure to do, he's not sure to talk, and he's not sure to convince people—he's the best thing since sliced bread. So, <laughs> I don't expect him to, to 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 shy away from the first fight. I think he's gonna. Um, I'm sure he's not going to be shy of a few words. I'm just feeling the same as I was beforehand. You know, I'll, I'll train properly, I'll do everything I do normally in the gym and I'm 100% confident I'll be Chris again. I'd love to become a two-time world champion and, you know, it'd be a, a legacy-type thing, you know, no no, yeah. no, fight fighters being two-time world champion and, you know, what what better way to do it than probably become a two-weight world champion too, if I do it at middleweight. Take football rivalry aside, Manchester is as good as home for me in a boxing sense. Um, I've had many a good nights day. I said before the last fight, You know, I won my world world title there. I defended it there. I'm unbeaten there. I've had many fights there and I'm unbeaten. You know, Chris has been there and lost and he's been there and lost to me now. So Chris has lost twice in that arena. And like I said, it's as good as home for me. And it sounds like home. the no noise of it for the Chris fights.
1: It's very interesting, this contest, because I thought the way that Chris Eubank Jr. conducted himself this week, that... He played that kind of reverse psychology where he wanted to get properly knocked out, he was almost saying. Mm. And it was stopped. It wasn't stopped too early. He was staggering like a drunk across a Manchester street at four in the morning, which we hope he won't be doing when we're there on June the 17th. Um, He was exposed in that moment in the fourth round, having boxed beautifully up to then by Liam Smith. Liam Smith has every right to be as confident as he sounds. Chris Eubank, as he told me this week, he has to be on a mission now.
3: Absolutely. Listen, Chris Eubank is great at the psychological battle. He likes getting inside fighters' heads, and that's what he was trying to do in that first fight with Liam Smith. Liam Smith didn't bite to that. He's too experienced. And if anything, it fueled him. And Smith went in there with a game plan. He stuck to it, and he caught... Caught um, Eubank with a good shot, a little short uppercut, followed through with a left hook, and then that was that was the beginning, really, of the end, and you're right in what you say, and I actually interviewed um, Chris Eubank Jr. in the week, and I asked him that question, I said to him, listen, Chris, you know that the referee has a duty of care, don't you, because he was talking about, you know, this fight should have been allowed, you know, and he his answer was, Spence. We get paid a phenomenal amount of money, and the referee has to let us do our job. I said, but he also has to let you live to fight another day. And that's why and, he's and, here now. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, a prime example of that. That you know, things can happen. It's a dangerous sport, and the referee done a great job there because Chris is, was totally gone, and he's got this opportunity again. And he's got to now right the wrongs. But he's the one that's got to change it. He's the one that's got to change it all up. He recognises now he's in a real fight. You know, that's he's got to overcome that psychological damage that... that, that. I know he'll say it's not there, and it was a punch from the gods. But as an ex-fighter, speaking as an ex-fighter, I will know that he will go to that'll be the first thing on his mind when he wakes up, and the last thing on his mind when he goes to bed. He'll be thinking about that—that that psychological damage. Yeah, but it might help scar- him keep his hands issue. up for God's sake. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is Gareth that you it, that 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 is hard to overcome. That like you know that was so once a you're big being knocked out
1: by someone you fear them. Yeah? No,
3: no, wait, well, absolutely, yeah. Do you absolutely? Do you one hundred percent? Everyone. Absol- absolutely, if you've been knocked out by someone...
1: So you if know you inside, Chris, does every did, boxer feel like that? If you
3: didn't fear someone after being knocked out by them, when you go back in the ring with them, then there would be something... You, I, I think you need to go and see someone he was
1: reckless I, in that have to fight, fight with see his someone. hands down wasn't
3: he? He, he, he he tried to emulate Roy Jones yeah, Jr and that you. didn't work I agree and what you. happened was what he found out that he couldn't get away with with Liam Smith was that you couldn't throw the shots sit in the pocket and yeah. switch off for a moment because yeah. Smith is a great uh, great uh, like he's so,
1: a really clever technical boxer what, who advances on you wants to dr- wants his head on your chest and wants to let his hands go but has a lovely high guard doesn't he he's,
3: yeah he does and he's good at punching when the other boxer punches. Yeah, and absolutely. that's what he'd it's done. And Eubank tough. was caught. Eubank beefy was caught. for a reason. He was, you know, timing. Cr- Listen, the timing creates the speed. The speed creates the power. It all goes together, and, and mm. Liam Smith is brilliant at that. It all kicks off. His timing is great. His dis- uh, judgment of distance <coughs> is great, and Eubank's found that out. Eubank now has to go back to the drawing board and try and correct this. But that's not an easy thing, because I'll tell you, the demons will be in his head, trust me. I know this.
1: Well, well, Chris Eubank Jr. joined Jim White and Simon Jordan earlier this week for their show ahead of his highly anticipated uh, rematch against Liam Smith, live and exclusively on TalkSport, of course, on June the 17th. Chris and Simon, whoever else, clashed over the validity and the veracity of the opponents that Chris Eubank Jr. has faced thus far in his career. You described Chris Eubank Jr. as a charlatan after his defeat to Liam Smith, right? I describe describe
5: him as a charlatan because we get to listen to um, Chris talking about world title fights and the level that he's at, and we don't actually get to see them many times. And every time Chris steps up to that level, he gets beat by it, as he has done by George Groves and Billy Joe Saunders. But what I also saw and what I also see, and I see it slightly differently now, is that he is remarkably one of the best showmen and best sellers in this country, because someone that's achieved not quite as much as I think his boxing ability should have achieved is a remarkable showman. Is that for your comment? Is that for your comment?
1: You you know, anyone who's going to say that, you know, some of the fighters that I've fought and beat, you know, weren't world level or, you know, every time I've only stepped up twice and I've lost twice or, you know, before the Smith fight, I don't, I don't think they really understand what it takes to get into the ring with, uh, with these elite level athletes, um, well,
5: such as who, Chris? such as Hugh, who have you stepped into? You can say what well, James the Girl, a vanquished, and finished James the Girl.
2: Who are we talking?
5: Be- who are we talking about <laughs> cool. that we're saying that you've beaten to suggest
1: that, that I'm wrong in that assumption? Many fighters on, on my resume that
5: uh, have been world class fighters that I've beaten. So, uh, just give me an example, know. Chris. It's not, obviously, you, I, you know, I don't know what it takes to do what you do because I could never have the courage to do what you do. And that's fair enough. And I understand that. But I'm just questioning what you're saying by saying, well, give me an example of a fighter that I've not recognized on your record to say, well, actually, I'm wrong. I'm wrong with my observation. He is a well, world why, level why fighter you, and should be winning world titles. James the
1: Girl wasn't, wasn't a world,
5: world level fighter. Not when fighter. you fought him, no. Why do you say that? Because he was finished and vanquished. What you fought was a carcass of James the Girl
1: well, you know, you say that, but other people would say that, you know, I I made him look like that because of my ability in the ring. Charlatan is a very strong word mm. used by Simon Jordan there. I mean, it's... I think you're going to need to go and look up the word charlatan first of all because it's a fake, and Chris Eubank Jr. is not a fake. No. Right? So, I, what I don't disagree with Simon about is that Chris needs that world title fight, a Golovkin or someone like that. I agree with him. James DeGale was shot when he fought him. You'll agree. You know you're boxing. Totally. He was shot when he totally. fought him. Simon totally. wasn't, it wasn't a carcass. No. A carcass is something that lays on a butcher's stall. Mm. You still have to go out and beat the person. Look, Simon has very strong views on boxing. He brings enormous numbers to our sport. He's got some extraordinarily perceptive views on our sport. They need to be put right, the things he's talking about. Some of us who've been in boxing a long time find it very hard to change those things because we go round and round in circles. But where I agree with him is that Chris Eubank needs those couple of top-level fights. Definitely. Because if he'd beaten Liam Smith, people mm. would have gone, oh, well, he beat Liam Smith. No, I think... And, 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 and who was beaten by Canelo. Mm. Um, You can always see... You can always light the fires. Let's put a couple out for a minute. Spencer, Mm. and uh, listen Simon as I say, let me repeat this, Simon Jordan has some very strong and very intriguing, and some of them very accurate views on boxing but don't call someone a charlatan
3: Mm. Yeah, I think that was a strong word for Chris Eubank Jr, I think he's given us some memorable nights you know, through his career some memorable nights, and he showed a tremendous bravery as well. You know, George within, Groves, like, George Groves. And, and jo- who
1: did George Groves fight, by the way? Let's look at who George Groves fought, right? Um, Badu Jack, yep. Badu Jack, what is where is Badu Jack? He's right, he's a free weight world champion, he's right? A now. Three he's just won weight a in, in a split tar. decision in Las Vegas. Yep that George was hit by a lot of right crosses in that fight. Do you remember? Yeah, but it was a fight that I thought was George a very, could have It was, won. Split, it was a split decision. Yeah, it was a close fight. It was a very close fight. Have you seen how big George Groves is, mm-hmm. like naturally? He's mm-hmm. about 14 stone. He's close yeah. to a heavyweight. Chris Eubank Jr., for me, with the upbringing he had, didn't need to go and do anything. He's proving something to Daddy Eubank. Mm, the yeah, whole
3: but, time. but he, what he, what Chris Eubank Junior has done for me over the years is showed that he's got his dad's DNA. He's got that toughness yeah. and he's got that will to win, and he's he is a winner. You know, he goes in there and he's. Might, and that's what I say about this. He, so, but he may
1: lack something in the elite level technical well, ability. Well, listen, and yeah, that's where I agree with Simon. Yeah,
3: well, that's that that's that's the difference between <laughs> challenges and champions. You know, and, and Eubank hasn't showed us anything to show that he's going to be that champion because he's always sort of falling at the final hurdle. That's where I thought he was going to go. If he come through the Liam Smith fight, if he come through that fight, then he was well on his way to getting that world title shot. Now he's got Everest to climb, you know, because he's got to, he's got to overcome Liam Smith again. If he does that, he's moving on again and looking on, moving on into or oh, do we get the rubber match? You know, do we do we get the first?
1: If I it's mean, a real, I've already thought about. If this is a really good fight, because Eubank looked brilliant in the first three rounds, didn't he? That night he did. If 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 we get a really good fight. And he wins in Manchester. And we are there live with Talk Sport by the way, on June the 17th. Myself, Spencer Oliver, Adam Catterall and John Rawling. Um, if he, we get Eubank winning a close decision, we'll get a trilogy. Yeah, why not? And why, their names will be linked forever. Well, why not? Why no, not? No, you know,
3: why, but, yes, but please. If- if Eubank can turn this around, if Eubank can turn this around after that... He's capable beating of Laster, it, isn't he? Yeah, he is capable. That's what I'm saying. This is the weird thing about this, because any other sort of fighter, that's what I'm saying, he's got that mental strength, whereas any other fighter I would say there is no way he could turn this around and win this. But Eubank has the capability to win it. It is a huge, huge ask. I'm going to say that, and I'm going to go with Liam Smith again, like I've done the first time. But what I'm saying is... Don't write him off. There could still be I mean, the fight could end again the way that it did. We don't know what Eubank's got left. That's that's the big thing now. You know, was that the signs of the the wheels had come off for Eubank? He's been around a long time. People forget that. You know, he's not a prospect anymore. He's been around, he's had his opportunities, he's been in those tough fights, and he's at that he's in the twilight. Is he he better than John
1: Ryder? Oh, it's a good shout, that it's a good fight that. Who fights Canelo next weekend? No, no, I don't think so. How would Chris... If you Chris Eubank Jr. beats Liam Smith, has he got a right to fight Canelo? No,
3: I don't think so. No,
1: I agree with you. No. It's very interesting, because there was one time when he was on the way to fighting Golovkin yeah, no, and it, then Canelo.
3: He needs a couple of big names He's a middleweight, not a super middleweight. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Fascinating stuff. We are there with so many events. Five events out of the next uh, eight weeks I make it. We cannot wait to be on the road bringing you the best
4: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for
0: limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
4: Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
2: Real extreme darkness. (laughs) A lot of laughs.
0: Y'all weird, but you you were different.
2: And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So then... We indulged, like we do most weeks at the moment, in a mad half an hour of heavyweight back and forth, tussling on the ropes, and there aren't even any fights to talk about. Is the four-man tournament happening? Who's to blame? Well, Alexander Krasiuk, the promoter of Alexander Usyk, had plenty to say on it. Here's what he told me.
6: You know, his philosophy is, he doesn't feel himself dangerous for other people. He feels himself very helpful for other people. He wants to help people. When he comes to the ring, it's his profession. So he has to fight and he has to win. But he doesn't have to hate his opponent. He loves his opponent. He respects him. And with with a full heart of love, he hits him according to the rules. But he doesn't feel this anger. He doesn't feel like he's doing... uh, Damage. No. His objective is to win. And the less damage he does to his opponent, the better. This is his philosophy. That's why he explained he did not knock out Anthony Joshua in the 12th round. He says, I'm winning on points. Why should his kids watch his father falling on the ring when, when enough is done for, for, to get the victory? That's his mindset.
1: You sent me a text the other day to say you are in talks with Frank Moran and the Warren team at Queensbury for Alexander to defend his WBA mandatory against Daniel Dubois, potentially in the UK this summer. Is that ongoing at the moment? We
6: are on talks. uh, Not in the UK, but our priority now is Poland. And that's where I just came from. I had a wonderful meeting hosted by my brother from another mother, Andrzej Wasilewski, (laughs) the the Polish promoter whom I've been knowing for so many years, uh, probably the whole career I have been in boxing. Uh, So we spent a couple of very fruitful days working on the possibilities, exploring uh, how this can be done. And we are now very thirsty to bringing some new level of, of organization of boxing. It's not, it shouldn't be just the event. It should be the festival of brotherhood. It should be the festival of brothers and sisters across the borders. So we, we want to unite the nations that are around Ukraine, close to Ukraine in the massive event, the heavyweight championship, the unified heavyweight championship. So uh, regarding the negotiations, uh, yesterday or day before yesterday, we called for the immediate purse bid. We still have time to find the solution, but uh, we don't want to, to extend it that long. So uh, we put the deadline probably mon- Monday morning. We will know the, from the WBA which is the date for the, for the purse bid. And if we do not uh, manage to set a deal until the deadline, then we just go to the first bit, we put a bit, we hope God helps us, we win and we put the, uh, an extraordinary show in, in Poland. So let's say you win that
1: fight. You're talking about Daniel Dubois there, obviously, yeah? Yes. Um, yes. So let's say you win that fight. As I said, I spoke to Amir Abdullah and he knows his boxing. You know he's been around a long time. I've known Amer probably 20 years and he yeah. knows that The big heavyweights probably need to fight in the summer as well, apart from outside this extraordinary talks about an event in Saudi Arabia, two events or three events or however it's going to work out. So do you envisage Alexander fighting for the undisputed title if he beats Daniel Dubois later on in the year in Saudi Arabia?
6: Yes, definitely, yes. This is the game plan. Yeah. This is what we have in mind and uh, we would probably fight him earlier, but we need to comply with the rules with WBA and we need to undergo... The, but he also has the pull for a year nearly. Yep, almost. So he has to fight. And uh, Daniel Dubois, everyone thinks he is like a very easy fight. I don't consider this fight to be easy because the most difficult thing in, in boxing, in fighting, is the preparation. Yeah. And for Usyk, there is no difference who is who he's fighting. Is it Daniel Dubois or Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury? The training camp remains the same, and uh, most of of the of the power is lost. I mean, most of the of the force is lost while the kid is uh, in a training camp. Do you think
1: that it's unrealistic to get Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury? And Alexander Usyk all in the same event in one night—is that
6: possible? No, I think it is. I think it's possible. Nothing. It's is never possible. been
1: done before, has it? It's never been done.
6: Absolutely. Before. But uh, if you remember Kinshasa, the
1: the Rumble in the Jungle of Zaire. Yeah.
6: Yes, Rumble in the Jungle. Ha- has it ever been done? No. Mm. It was done only once, and it was such a difficult fight to make. Yeah. Rescheduling getting money, things like that. And in a country like Congo, which, were, which is now Congo, and at that time was Zaire, that was almost impossible. But it took place and it stays in the uh, well, written in, with the golden letters in the history of boxing. It's the Manila. most
1: watched fight ever, I think. Because of when we were kings, the movie and all those things. It's probably yeah. the most watched fight ever.
6: Yes, probably yes. Thriller in Manila. This was the historical fight because the first time in the history of television, it was televised through satellite. Mm -hmm. It was broadcast through satellite. First time, first time in the history of television. So it started from boxing actually. Uh, Why not? This fight is something historical. Yes. uh, Would I say it's very easy to, to make it? Definitely not. It's, Extremely complicated. You but have to build four dressing
1: rooms for the four men, though. Do they have to have four different dressing rooms? Because I talk all the time about ego, timing, and money.
6: Let's talk about Anthony Joshua. Is he willing to fight? In. uh in Do you believe
1: that Eddie Hearn and Zone want to put Anthony Joshua in with Deontay Wilder? Yes. It's a fifty-fifty fight, isn't it?
6: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I hundred percent agree. It's very exciting,
1: uh, but it's a 50-50 absolutely. fight. Yeah. Uh,
6: yes, there is no no favorite in this fight. No underdog. No, it's no fifty-fifty. Yeah, no, I agree with you. If it goes the distance, I would bet on AJ. I agree. If it's inside, I think it's That's Wilder.
1: One. Yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't last more than eight rounds, in my view.
6: And it might be Joshua
1: knocking out Wilder as well. I, exactly. It's a very, exactly. very exciting fight. What upsets me and, is Wilder, Fury, Yusick Joshua. I, I look back at the four kings, Duran, Hearns, Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard. They fought each other seven times, Yeah. I think nine times, nine times or seven times. That's what we should be having in this era over the next two or three years. A golden age. I've just been speaking to George Foreman about his movie that's out. And they all fought each other. They all
6: fought each other. Lost one, but they they did fight. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you, uh, there won't be any obstacles from our side. This is what I can promise. And uh, I've talked to Amer, I've talked to Prince Halid, uh, while we were thinking of, of, of putting this fight, think, discussing, considering whether it's possible or not. And uh, I promise that uh, USIC team has always been and will probably always be the easiest team to deal with. So we stay this ground. There won't be any troubles with anyone uh, to make an agreement with us unless it's a reasonable agreement. But one of my three questions
1: was, there's an interview out with you at the moment saying you think that Tyson Fury is being difficult difficult in the negotiations. That's reported as... Not,
6: Not just Tyson Fury, but Tyson Fury and his representatives including his lawyer, including his promoter, everyone is complicated. If we don't make these fights happen,
1: we will have missed something as mature adults in
6: our era. This is our era. Ah, Garrett. uh, this is a sin, a big sin, not to make it happen. This is disrespectful to the boxing fans. This is, like, very arrogant.
1: I got the man in the know, because I can't claim to know. He's been hit in the ring, live and direct, in his fights, in sparring. He's got a body like a missile. Yes, Spencer Oliver, the omen. Come on, he told me, yes, exactly what the art of the body shot is. Here we go. When you learn the
3: fundamentals of boxing, some you find it with your, what your best shots are. Your best shots, whether that's the left hook, whether that's the right hand, or whether you're a good body puncher. I was a body puncher. Something that I used to like, you try and tap upstairs to bring the elbows up, and you look for the openings and throw those shots in. Because let me tell you, the, the shots that go into the head, they sort of daze you, and you sort of you can recover from them. You can't recover from a good body shot. A good body shot really is the best shot in the book. And, um, you know, you reeled off the names that they said there. I'll tell you another one that's great at body, body shots as well. Liam Smith. Liam Smoth's, Smith's a brilliant body puncher. You know, very effective with that left hook to the body. Um, it's an important shot. It really is,
1: but very, very effective. So when, you, when you're a young boxer and you're in the amateurs, for example, obviously you talk about your elbows and how they can protect and your forearm... Um, are you? Do you teach people? Because Canelo was spotted as a p- body puncher by yep. um the great Don Chargin, the late great Don Chargin and, and Oscar De La Hoya was told about him because he was able to um take a slight from the body. It's like a dip in the body, yep. Yep. dip to one side and go under and throw up the left hook. Well, listen, right into uh, the orthodox so, fighter's ribcage. So
3: what? What you do is like as a fighter is like so you'll see a fighter when he's going out there and the fights start quite slow, don't they? They're feeling each other out. And when you like say if you're trying to hit them with a jab, you either commit with the jab. When you commit with the jab, then you sort of like you know, then you're you're you you're, you're committing and you're you're looking to get in range. But what I'm saying is sometimes you throw a jab and you're you're looking to. Create um, traps. You're looking to set traps. So you'll throw the jab, you're pretending to try and hit them, but you're not really trying to hit them. You're just looking draw for openings. You're looking you? for openings. So yeah. you might throw a jab to the body and notice that they bring the left down a little mm. bit, and you think, beautiful, I jab to the body, and then I'll come with a right hand over the top. Or you might like touch downstairs to throw throw the hook or whatever, and see the elbows coming out. Just you're looking for reactions. Mm. So you're setting traps the whole time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And when you see a fighter and he comes out and his elbows are up or whatever, and you throw a shot and you see a little bit of movement movement you think right you go away from it and about 30 seconds later you'll come back to it like you'll you'll throw the left hook upstairs mm. and you'll see him lift his arm up mm. to catch the left hook well as soon as he does that then you turn it underneath and
1: boom you've got him funny enough we, we were hitting each other we were all <laughs> hitting each other in the body during the show in the breaks <laughs> earlier on so we we're going to do this and when you when you use your tensile strength, when you're in your body, you know myself, Ed Huntley, our producer. You, you've got a different body because you've been a boxer all your life. When you use your tensile strength and you're in some kind of shape, you can take a shot. You're trained to do that, yeah. But, of course. but as a boxer, well, what do you when are you when the medicine ball is landing on parts of the body, and yep. when you're doing your exercises, are you deliberately? T- treating those intercostal muscles Absolutely. and the stomach muscles for the defence of those shots, because a punch in them is different to a glove in them as well, isn't it?
3: Absolutely, you know. And, and do you know, like, let's let's use Ryan Garcia as a great.
1: Well, exaggerate. we need to go back to yeah, that, the, the, yeah, because if, we are uh, going to talk gonna, about that. Uh, yeah. But I'm
3: just going to do it right now. So what happened was when Ryan Garcia got hit with that body shot. If you watch that, he was delivering a right hand of his own. When you're throwing the shot, obviously your body is not tense like it would be if the shot, if he was covering up and waiting for the shot to come. So so as he threw that, his body was relaxed, and Garcia went underneath it, landed that big. Davis left went hook underneath. Of, yeah. Uh, Dave, sorry, Dave, yeah, Davis yeah. went underneath and landed that big left hook of his own. Short and Gar- punch. Yeah, but Short Garcia was relaxed. Well. He was relaxed because exactly. he, he was there delivering the shot and is. that's why it was as effective as it was because people that watch that go, well, it wasn't that great. Yes, I do think he could have got like up. It was like
1: a man putting a bomb under a yeah, bridge, Yes, I it? do
3: think he, there was more fight in him and I think he could have got up and I think the second round knockdown had a big part to play with that as well. Do he was you? Slowly Are you saying he quit then? No, I'm not saying he quit. I'm just saying there was... Did a, his brain
1: tell his body to
3: th- quit? Listen, no. What happens is, you've got that 10 seconds. When you go down, 10 seconds when your heart is not a lot of time. Mm, trust me, he's down there. Mm, and mm. so you've got to make those decisions. And I think mm. that he was there and he's trying to... He was trying to recover and make the decision. It's easy in hindsight for me to say, yeah, he could have got up because you don't know how badly it affected him. Yeah. Because, like I say, he was delivering He's a no punch coward, when he, got is hit. he He's definitely not a coward. He yeah. wouldn't have got up from the second round knockdown. That, that left hand that he got hit with in the second round could have knocked a horse out. It was a <laughs> massive left hand, hit him flush on the nose. You saw the nose bleeding straight away. And and Tank Davis can whack, mate. He's got 29 fights, 27 KOs. You can't question it, but what I'm saying is. I felt that there was more fight left in him, but I'm not going to say he quit. He definitely didn't quit.
1: It was just one of those, you know. Animal rights people might not like this, but um, Ed, our producer... um, Look, I wonder whether Tank Davis... I think he planned that punch. I, I really do think he planned that Oh, he that was punch. setting
3: it up, mate. Yeah, yeah Tank, he was trying to Davis, go in and
1: under a lot, wasn't he? He's got
3: great ring craft. That's what he was working at as the rounds were going on. Yeah. He was getting more effective. Garcia was the one pushing forward, but he looked a little one-dimensional because he couldn't cope with that Davis and his southpaw style, coming in low, throwing those shots from all over the place. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot to that, what was going on there. But Davis was slowly, systematically... Getting beaten up, and I think the writing was on the wall. Yeah,
1: I remember um, being on the on the night that Ricky Hatton fought Jose Luis Castillo in uh, in, in Las Vegas. We're about to uh, go to break in a minute, but he hits. Um, Castillo with the perfect body punch. Well, it was the night that Wayne Rooney and the guys from Oasis carried his belts yeah, into the ring right. in, in Las Vegas. What a shot
3: that was. He a great a, body yeah, punch. Yeah, but look at the reaction
1: of him there. Down he on was, one knee, couldn't yeah,
3: get up. Uh, no, but he was... Yeah, and he, he was the guy that people argued thought
1: beat Mayweather. Yeah, he was really Came close to beating Mayweather. Absolutely. Well, I thought he did win that fight. Yeah, a lot of people do yeah. think. I mean, Canelo, um, for me needs to be more of a body puncher than he's been recently, you know? Yeah. Golovkin was a great body puncher. Mm-hmm. And he's got older and he's he protects himself more. Because when you throw the body punch, finally... You have to open up a little bit more as well. Rather like the uppercut, they're punches that you leave yourselves open for things. They're not the kind of punches people throw in the first round. No, are but they? The,
3: but the, the best body punches and like the Mexicans, like Canelo's, like Barreras and 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 um, Eric Morales and all those guys. When you go back, Chavez was one as yeah. well. You watch them; they get in range and they sort of smother their work. But the way that they create the gap is not by like. So your brain would tell you like push the guy off to open the gap but the way you do it is step back with your back foot mm. and that creates a space and you get the leverage of all you your go. body weight into the shot i wish
1: you could see spencer doing this now um, do, I, do I would not want to, want to be hit by over, said, yeah boom. <laughs> lovely there you go well that was fascinating fulfilling and it brings to fruition another Fight Night podcast on TalkSport. Thank you, Spencer Oliver, for joining me in the studio. Thank you to all our guests. Don't forget to subscribe. Go to the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel. We've got lots of entertainment for you on there. Keep subscribing, keep listening, and remember, for the next five weeks out of eight, we're bringing it to you. with are the Homer boxing. See you next time.
2: Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it?
1: Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do.
2: Join me, journalist Becca Hudson. And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation.
1: And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.